F the Cowboys, F all the rest of the East, but, you know, go Birds. Hello and welcome to another episode of Next Man Up. And we beat Dallas, baby. It's 6-0. Our flying birds are soaring high straight into the bye week. And oh my God, Monday morning. Um, that was a, a special feeling, knowing that we've just killed Dallas after all their smack talk before the game. Mick, me and you had a fantastic podcast last week. And uh, podcast that went into our top five most listened. But don't worry, we haven't kicked Phil out of the podcast because of that, because he is back with us this week. Phil, we missed you last week, buddy. How are you doing? Welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, so good not to be part of the, the the Dallas preview pod, but um, it's a different kind of Dallas preview pod, wasn't it? I mean, listen to it from a from an audience perspective as well. It definitely felt going into the game like this one was different, and 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 it definitely yeah was different to the last about two or three that we've watched. Um, am I right? Oh yeah, I think I think you're uh, you've hit the nail on the head there. What was it? Three games in a row we'd lost prior to that. I think it might have even been four games in a row. I know one of them was against our ninth string. Uh, backups but this was this was the biggest test of the Eagles so far the biggest test of Sirianni so far the biggest test of Jalen Hurts so far Mick pass with flying colors I wouldn't say with flying colors but I mean you can't, how many complaints can you have about a team that are six and all not many so it's sort of nitpicking which we've been doing every week so I mean the Eagles are making it hard on us podcasters to try and come up with um, things to talk about that we've not already said because we're waxing lyrical about them every single week of how good they are and um, everything that they've been doing so far and all the different ways that they've been winning and, you know, everything is just sunshine and lollipops. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll find a, a couple of topics to, to, cover. to, to cover, yeah. Love that. Uh, sun, sunshine and lollipops. Uh, we're we're going to have uh, one of our favourite friends of the British and Irish Eagles Next Man Up podcast come join us soon. He's just driving home from a car dealership, running some errands for his wife. That is Tony G, as we like to call him. And he's very much a G today, having just seen him sporting a what could only be described as a 70s porn star Tash, or as Mick put it, a most wanted sketch sign so we're looking forward to having tony on shortly to give us the feel live from philadelphia and what it's like on the ground um actually tony probably isn't in philadelphia at the moment but (laughs) left from the us anyway because he's currently working for the carolina panthers but um listen before we get into the good the bad and the demerit sexy before we welcome tony onto the podcast how we doing how we doing chaps mick how's the week been so far dallas win week going into the bar you feeling good Oh yeah, I mean, we knew we were going to stay up for the game, and you know, we we, we talked about it on the last podcast about how you know we don't we, we say we'll go for a nap and all these good things, but we end up just powering through, having a having a, a couple of drinks, and you know, on the on the British and Irish Eagles WhatsApp group, and there was a, a few of those guys staying up, and uh, I think we kept each other going during the game. I mean, the game was exciting enough to. To, to keep you on the edge of your seat, especially in that second half. Um, but, you know, such mixed emotions during the night. And uh, it's just it's just a, a, such a different experience watching sport 
at two in the morning or three in the morning, four in the morning. <laughs> you know, it's it's um you, you only get so many games like that. Thankfully, there's not too many more. I think we've got Washington Command uh, Commanders and Texans is a is a Thursday night game, I think. Um, so we've got a couple Texas more. Thursday night, yeah. Yeah, to endure, but yeah, take the win, take the win every week. Take the win. I had some uh, some personal plans on on the uh, the Monday, so I didn't get um, a lot of sleep at all. I was still pretty wired from the game the night before, and um, had had some things I needed to to get done. So it was all a yeah. bit of a whirl, all a bit of a whirlwind for me. Um, coming back on Monday, I kind of had to just soak it all up again, re rewatch the game, um, get get those feels back in my back in my body. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing better than a than a the only the only thing better than a Dallas sucks preview week is a is a a, a Dallas sucks you've lost <laughs> recap week and uh, and and that's uh, that's exactly how I felt all this week. It's been I've been walking on air uh, and there's a number of other reasons why I've been walking on air to do with the Eagles and and lots of other stuff which we'll get into to later on. But Phil, uh, we missed you last week, buddy. You you had some football training tonight. How's the how's the little one doing? How's everything at home? Yeah, he's doing all right. He's had a bit of a, he's had his jabs last week, so he's uh, he's been a bit of a nightmare for the last few days. He's uh, nothing nothing serious, but you know you can tell when there's something up and he's not right. So it's a bit sort of fits of screaming and won't he won't eat his food. But we're getting there. It's part and parcel of the trials and tribulations of infant, yeah, yeah, parenthood and all that sort of stuff. But um, but yeah, so I managed to stay up with you guys, like Mick said. Um, for the game, you do say like, "Oh, I'll go for a nap," but I think it's not. So, it's a lot, it's it probably happens. a lot. It's probably a lot easier on a Monday night football when there's nothing on in the evening. You can kind of just get an early night. But when there's like football from six o'clock our time until when we finish watching it about half four in the morning, it's sort of it's hard. It's hard to sort of, especially when it's on the TV. I sort of put me down on the sofa, and then it's the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, and you're like, "Well, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to bloody sleep through this." And then in, in the end, you think, "Ah, oh, screw it." pour another whiskey and this power through um and it was well worth it at least for the at least for the first half i think we can say that we were riding riding high at the uh at, for the first half third quarter a bit squeaky bum time i know ali gotta give a shout out to negative ninny ali sure for <laughs> basically throwing in the towel um, much like you did, Liam, against the, the, yeah. the Jaguars. That's, that I has to be said. When I was in Crete, I had had a few champagnes and some sushi in the champagne bar in Crete at the time, and I'll live that. I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'm, I'm happy to live that one down a little bit. I'll take that one on the chin. I think, I think the difference is with the Dallas game. I think even like I just go quiet when I'm worried. I just go quiet. So the less message I send, that's more worried I am because I can't sit there and go, "Oh, we're going to lose" or that because I don't want to jinx it. I still had faith, and I think generally we all probably sat sat there going. We still don't feel like we're going to lose this, but it's getting awfully close. And it got to the point where obviously we can get into it in a bit, but the Eagles turned it on again and, and managed to sort of keep the midget at arm's length um, and see out the game. But there's definitely some some talking points in to be getting on with. Oh, for sure. I mean, just before we get into it, Dan, Mick, you picked up on something uh, which I think is very apt. And that's the, the, the phrase nitpicking. Nitpicking, right? We're 6-0. and and we could be talking about huge problems for the Eagles going into the bye week. We could be talking about a team that's three and three, like most of the rest of the NFC are. Um, there's only four teams who have two losses or less 
uh, the Vikings, Dallas, the Giants, uh, and us. Uh, we're in a, a fantastic situation to make a, a deep player form. We're in a really good situation to be, you know, the the number one pick in 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 the NFC to have to to, you know, get deeper in without even playing a game in the playoffs, uh, which we which we of course weren't able to do to do last year. And it really is nitpicking, and we're going to talk about some stuff in the good, the bad, and the damn right sexy shortly, and in the bad column. But you know, just to preface some of that, you know, we have to nitpick, and we have to look at how we can be improve and get better, because the reality is that we we have we have to get better in certain aspects of the game, and we will continue to improve, hopefully, in those aspects of the game. Um, but right now, six and zero, Eagles are finding ways to win where other teams who are who are slated to be better than the Eagles preseason are not finding ways to win, are also letting points go in the second half of games, but they aren't coming back and winning like the Eagles are. They're losing um, those games. Uh, you know, you look at the Chiefs, that's at least two losses the Chiefs, the Chiefs have this year so far. Yes, they played the Bills as one of them. Um, the Bills have have lost a game or two so far this season, and they were the, the preeminent number one two punch coming into the season. The Ravens have just lost to the New York Giants of all teams, and they were kind of in the top four before we went into this week. So hard to really be negative in any way about the Eagles right now. But let's let's uh, let's do our best to go through the good, the bad, the damn right, sexy. Um, I'm going to review the guys know who the damn right sexy is going to be this week because I certainly do. Um, all right. So with that in mind, I'd like to start off with the, neg- the negative, the negative things first, the stuff that we can improve on that we want to see improve. And the first thing I'm going to go to Mick, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw it your way um, again, is coaching. The coaching, yeah. the, the, the coaching staff, and, and mainly on the defensive side of the ball, but I will say Shane Steichen as well on the offensive side of the ball during certain parts of the game. The Jonathan Gallon train. It's it's rolling, but it's not rolling really fast. There's some there's some bumps on the track. We got some delays going on. The conductor isn't looking as happy when he sees the you know the journeyman come on the train for their ride. Talk to me, Mick. Talk to me about what you what your opinions are on the coaching this weekend just combined against Dallas. Well, it's it's pretty much what we've we said in the last podcast. It's um almost the same game happened and it's happening far too often every week almost um, where the Eagles offensively start out pretty hot as you can see in the second quarter we've put up god knows how many points now more than smashing records in the NFL anyway for, from that perspective getting a decent cushion in front of us and then defensively just let go um, and let teams come back onto us and uh, the story of the Eagles so far this season, defence bill, has been that, you know, the second half of games, what's, what is going wrong in the second half of games? Because we're not putting up points and we're conceding quite a lot of points at the same time. So fundamentally, that can't, it can't continue that way. I know we're, what we're doing is we're, we're running out clock and then we're putting it on to the offence to then... <laughs> Run, run down the clock and, and come up with something at the end and hopefully, you know, we we keep them at a distance. But, I mean, as probably as just football fans, Jack fans in general, we want to see them smash a team. Like, I want to see them smash a team. Like, yeah. just put, put the game 
completely to bed. Like, yeah, we're up 14, maybe you want to play a bit loose, a bit more loose, and you, you don't want to get hit by the big play, so you're just letting them um, throw under. Um, you know, but accumulatively, we're letting the Dallas run all over us at one point, and that was uh, quite a concern. Um, and we just can't let that happen, especially once we get to... I know our, our schedule's pretty soft as well, but once we get to the playoffs, assuming we do get to the playoffs, like you said, that number one seed is probably is, is our top priority. Um, but the teams that you meet in the playoffs aren't going to be as soft as the schedule is just now, and they'll be well into the season. Um, teams will know their identity. They'll have a lot more of the Eagles' plan on tape. Um, don't know where he is. Look at last year when we played the Buccaneers in the in the wild card spot, and they knew how to play us. They knew exactly what to do, and we got absolutely battered. And I don't want to feel that again. Yeah. So things need to change. Completely agree. And um, talking about trends there, Mick, you asked the question: How many points we scored in the second quarter of games? If I take the line, if I take the Lions game out of it, the first game of the season against the Lions, if I take that game out of it, and I look at the last five games that the Eagles have played. Listen to this stat. The Eagles have scored 88 points in the second quarter in five games. They've scored three points in the third quarter. Over five games, it's 88 points in the second quarter and three points in the third quarter. Three you know points. what's funny? We, we, we tend to defer as well, don't we, when we win the toss? So we're starting second half, so we've got the Correct. ball on our hands in that third quarter and we're not putting any points up. Yep. Absolutely, completely agree. Now, it would be remiss of us not to say that, uh, to point out that we had some injuries on the offensive line, um, which did hinder our ability to score points in the at the start of the second half, at least, until we went on that, that game-winning drive or the, the last scoring, the last touchdown drive that we had, which we are going to get into in a bit. Um, so you can you can make the argument, okay, well, you know, Sam Allen was having a bad game. Lane Johnson went out with concussion. Dickerson was out for a little period of the game as well. Mile Adam was only just back from injury. Um, Kelsey is was fronting up back from injury as well. Dickerson had a great game. Um, but if you look specifically about the way the coaching was deployed, what in God's name was Shane Steichen doing, leaving Jack Driscoll matched one-on-one against Micah Parsons, who is going to be probably defensive player of the year this year it'll be him and him and donald uh, and maybe a couple of others but he's the favorite right now what was he thinking leaving him leaving him one-on-one and and even more so if you think about it say amalu was getting attacked by parsons um at the start of the game before lane johnson went out lane johnson did a, a, an okay good job against mika parsons before he went out so why did why does i can think that Say Amalu, if he was performing so badly, why did you think Jack Driscoll was going to do any better against Micah Parsons one on one? Surely there should have been some more double team action going on. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's a mismatch, isn't it? I think Dallas knew exactly where to target, and that's what other that's what the Cardinals did as well when um, Jack was playing at left tackle. Um, you, you saw well we spoke about his pass protection numbers and they were, they were pretty bad, and he was it was alone pretty much half the team's quarterback hits and um, pressures allowed. Um, you know, I can't... I mean, I don't love the matchup. Nobody loves the matchup, but, I mean, you're, you're going to have to play Driscoll in that position. There's no two ways around it. 
probably should have, you know, get give them the run back to pick up the pick up the blitz mm-hmm. just to help out a little bit. But I mean, Mika Parsons, which is they a did special. do, which they did do at the end of the game, which yeah, he is a special player and, and they line him up everywhere. But you know, I did actually like what Shane Steichen did um, to, to sort of work around Mika Parsons, and you know, that was to read him. And you, you saw the ball floating over his head a couple of times when AJ Brown. Uh, I think that was on the touchdown pass. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they did a lot of things right concerning Baker, and I think pretty much their game plan was don't let this guy destroy the game. Yeah. Exactly. And they were successful. So, uh, like you said, it's nitpicking at this point. I mean, Jack Driscoll came in. He did the job. He we actually had him a couple for of it, really... But he's not as good as Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson is no. one of the best players on the team. So... Well, it's interesting. But I want to pick that point up again in a second. But before we do, let's just pass over to our Gannon uh, train conductor just to give give your thoughts, Phil, on, on Gannon's performance, not just this week, but last week, and the trend that seems to be continuing to happen of big leads in the first half and just playing soft and letting teams back into the game. With with Gannon, it's it's a delicate process. We all need to be... <laughs> A little no, I'm joking. No, I'm in all in all honesty, a lot of the lot of the Gannon train stuff and the and the constant defense has, has been sort of partially tongue in cheek. I'm not I'm not sat here going and going, he's got it, he's got it right. But all I say is that he's had the personnel and he's done things well. And he has to be that has to be acknowledged as well. But the way the defense has played, and you know, we can touch on the the turnover differential. For one, that incredible stat that comes out that there's no one even close to the Eagles. Twelve um, positive, twelve differential with turnovers um, on either side of the ball, and the next, uh, the nip of the set tied second places are all on three. Um, it's a ridiculous stat, so you have to kind of acknowledge that when we're talking about the fact that Gannon just can't play that soft doesn't matter who you're up against doesn't matter how many points you've got you can't play that soft that poorly against a team that you know especially Dallas doesn't need an invitation once they've got a bit of momentum you can see it was building and that's what the, what the worrying thing for me was was that once they started rolling that's when I was like can you stop the juggernaut like once you let them sort of get a bit of momentum can you stop the juggernaut that's that's, that's coming towards you and unfortunately they did um I just don't think that side of the game has been sorted out yet I don't know whether it's it's his inability to place, keep you know, keep away defense, or whether he's just got it wrong. I I, I don't it's know. The foot, but... It's the foot on the neck mentality, the foot on the, the foot yeah, on the so that's... mentality that you talked about when we were chatting about it um, when we were watching the game the other night. And if I just before you go on, if I arc, if I arc back to what Mick just said about wanting to destroy teams and like finish them off. You have you have to as a defensive coordinator continue the game plan which is working for you, not take your foot off the gas because if you create those turnovers in those important parts of the game when you are ahead, mm. and allow your offense the ability to go then and score more points, then you completely crush the game. If you, he, he you, it's it's undeniable that he has consistently employed the same soft tactic as soon as we've had a comfortable lead, and that has undeniably allowed teams back into the game week after week after week. I mean, he's made it exciting for the NFL. <laughs> and for- So do the coaches, to be fair. Let's, let's, let's also caveat the fact that there was a, did I say coaches or um, officials is what I meant, sorry. 
yeah yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the officials definitely had a hand in trying to keep it close and what was it i don't know who said it i think it's one of the guys in the group said that they're definitely me. Oh, was it you? Sorry. There you yeah, go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So shout out to shout out to Liam in the WhatsApp group. He came up with a great idea that um, apparently there's 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 this rumor that the officials obviously tend to lean towards keeping games closer, so they will sort of lean towards the losing team. Whether that's true or not, that's the sort of thing a losing team clutches at, and they go, "Oh, oh that, that is definitely um, what is happening." And um, but to just, go just, back to the... just to just to clarify before you go on, it was pro football talk. You were you were discussing this um, last right. week. Uh, that there is a clear trend of penalties given to the losing team and had made multiple evidence points that the NFL had been patting themselves on the back when, I think it was two weeks ago, um, nearly every game was within a score and they were lauding themselves and congratulating mm. themselves and of, of how good that is. And, and you know, as a, as a business, as a as a uh, a product, which the NFL essentially is to make money out of, they want games to be tight and close. Am I going as far as to saying that the referees are bought into this and have been bought out of it? I don't know. It's something that Chris Sims and, and co are, are pushing on and want to make more of a, a thing about it. Um, I, I'm not going to go as far as to saying I think that's the case. But there are a lot of people who are far more knowledgeable about the NFL than I am who are saying that that is the potential. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case in any money-making sport. You want to make a product as attractive as possible. But we're, we're getting a little bit off topic. I'll try and sort of sure. just finish up about my sort of defense of Gannon is that I can't defend his ability to sort of hold out a lead. There is a serious problem there. But then, like you also mentioned, Steichen was also partly to blame on the offensive side of the ball for not killing the game off it as well. So I'm not defending again. I'm just saying, like, we can't single him out as the main reason. But he is a math. You know, everyone had their part to play in the fact that we nearly let the Cowboys come back in and overtake us. We we were fortunate, not fortunate. We were we're good enough to be a team that can stop that rut. And you've seen like teams like the Ravens. The reason they're three and three is because in the games that they've lost from having two score leads, they've just not been able to stop that rut. And against far less teams than than say the the Cowboys that we we face. So I think it's definitely a concern. And they, they get asked. I think I was listening to go. I think one of the many Eagles podcasts that I listened to today um, was sort of saying that obviously the coaches are saying like, "Yo, we don't know why um, we can't do it. Like if we, if we knew, we'd stop it." And I think it was, I think it was Shield Capardia, but he sort of basically said, they, "No, no, sorry, it was it was it was Go Birds because it was Iris. Um And he went, "They know. They just don't, they just haven't figured out what they need to do yet. And and hopefully they will. And then it's one of those things where it could be after the buy they've." spent hours and hours in the film room and then they figured out and we see a team come out against the Steelers and absolutely annihilate them and they could be the that team. And it's every chance that, you know, that we end up being in a position where we're going, well, yeah, they figured it out. Moving on. Yeah. I think the problem is Jonathan Gannon. I'm off the train. I'm off the train. Um, Tickets I- are non-refundable. <laughs> well, you didn't let me in first class when I first jumped on board anyway. So I've been sitting in. Into, I've been on many a train with you, Liam, and, and you don't pay for first class. You just walk right in there and just. <laughs> it's all about that, in it? So if you act like you belong there, no one questions it. Plausible deniability uh, is, is what I'm going to uh, go for here. I, I will confirm or deny if that's the case. Um, but what I will say is train companies in, in this country take people for a lot of money as it is. So uh, I'll leave that comment there. 
<laughs> um, so going on to the, the second part of the bad section, the good, the bad, the damn right sexy. And uh, th this feels even more tenuous, but there's a point behind what I'm going to say here, and that's the offensive line. But the offensive line depth more than the offensive line itself. Uh, if you look at the record, I haven't got it to hand here, apologies, the record of games that we um, have a fit um, Lane Johnson playing versus uh, when Lane isn't playing, uh, the record is horrendous when he's not bad at a Mick, if you or Phil can, can find that stat, but it's it's a really, really, really stark difference in terms of we lose basically um, the majority of games when Lane isn't fit and Lane went down and that did coincide with the offense being stifled, Parsons um, getting to the quarterback more. Jalen was sacked four times against Dallas, which is the most he's been sacked this, this season. And we know they're a good defense. And when when Lane went out of the game, it was an issue. And I'm not trying to throw Driscoll under the bus here because I actually think he made a couple of good plays. On reflection, at the time, I thought he had a horrendous game when we were watching it. But on reflection, having looked at some of his other plays, he actually had a pretty prominent role in the game-winning drive. It's very harsh to criticize someone going up against defensive player of the year. Um, but the reality is, Mickey said he's not Lane Johnson. The reality is he's not Lane Johnson. Um, and, and that is a fact. And it's a big hole to exploit when he's when he's not fit. Isaac Samala didn't have a good game, in my opinion. Um, he was tired by Parsons again beforehand. Yes, again, I know it's Parsons, but he didn't have the greatest, he didn't have the greatest game. Uh, Dickerson went off injured in the last drive, although Dickerson had a really good game. Malada's just back from injury. Kelsey is a machine, and we know he doesn't miss a game, but he's been injured recently. And I so rather than me perhaps saying this is a, a O-line depth is a real issue and, and a real bad here, maybe my question is more, is this something that the Eagles should be looking at when we come up to the trade deadline? Do you think the Eagles should be looking to add depth at right tackle or left tackle um, for the rest of the year, given their 6-0, given they're going into the bye week, given their number one seed favorites at the moment? Is that a position that you think, Mick, we should be looking to add extra pieces in? Or are you comfortable that we played against an amazing defense? They stood up. We won. Yes, they made mistakes, but you trust Stoutland to keep them ready when it is eventually next man up for all of them. How dare you? How dare you talk about Jeff, <coughs> uh, Coach Stout's offensive line in the negative column? How bloody dare you, Liam, on this <laughs> podcast? You should feel ashamed of yourself for that speech you just made, but <laughs> I just get to you. But, um, you know, our offensive line is our strength. It always has been our strength. Um, top of the line going in when everyone's healthy and everyone was healthy coming into the game. You know, we're coming off a few injuries, but I mean, what team doesn't have injuries? And like you said, we do need help at, at right tackle a little bit. Driscoll can, can fill in when he, what when called upon for a half of a game, maybe not um, against the defensive MVP. Um, but, you know, Andre Dillard can't wipe with the other hand. So, and, and Jordan Mylata, I know he played, he played um, I think it was against the Carolina Panthers last year at right tackle. He didn't have much joy there either. Uh, so it's, it's maybe a position that we look at in the future. I don't think for the trade deadline or not any specific capital. I mean, I know we, we, we lost a couple of linemen um, we lost a couple of linemen during the during the, the roster cuts, 
and they were taken off the practice squad and picked up by various other teams around the NFL because they know um, this guy was this guy was coached by Jeff Stoutland. He must be pretty good, but not always the case. Uh, I think Matt Pryor is actually um, struggling around uh, just Colts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with the Colts, uh, they've they've not got a particularly good line at the moment. Apparently, um, they've been shifting all the way across the line trying to find somewhere to hide him. <laughs> Shout, yeah. shout out to Shil Kapadi at the ringer because we clearly listen to the same podcast today. <laughs> there you go. But I, I'm not worried about the line. I'm just, I'm just not. It's, it's the strength of the team. I can't. I, it's extremely nitpicky. To, I, I know yeah. what I know what Liam's on about though. There is there is the concern that like Lane Johnson in the past has gone down. He's had bolts put in his feet. You know what happens when it happens again because it will happen again. It's got. He was out for quite a series last year when he had. He was. He had. Uh, he was off with his mental illness, sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. You know, and we survived that. I know we lost a couple of games, but we had hey. the opponents were. Yeah, we were you're, you're, you, sorry. Yeah, you, you know, sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is just Dallas, and it was Mika Parsons. That's that's not. Let's not sort of overreact. But also, Mika Parsons only had his most productive period in the game. At that point, so whether you want to attribute that to, to Lane Johnson more, or whether you want to attribute that to Jack um, Jack Driscoll not being good enough, there's this. I think it's Lane Johnson to be honest. Just to jump on that point, and if you, if you want to think about this from a workplace scenario, Mick and Phil, you must have heard of key man risk before uh, in in a workplace scenario. Uh, if you haven't, a key man risk is a person in an organization where if they go down, if they're injured, there's a loss of knowledge, there's a loss of productivity which then affects um growth revenue performance etc and the risk of that person going down and the time it would have to fill that person's void would take so long and so much money and time and there'll be so much value lost during that period um, and and i think the, maybe the point i'm getting at here is lane johnson is such a key man risk for the eagles and as soon as he goes down there's a massive gulf in difference because the stats show it showed themselves i know i still haven't got them in front of me but um the eagles win when johnson plays the eagles don't when he doesn't play uh, or at least they don't win as often as he doesn't play and i think i don't know when someone is that much of an impact player for a team i don't know whether i feel like jack driscoll is good enough to be the backup behind him um i'm not sure i'm not sure but do you see where i'm coming from mick yeah but i mean you could see that about any player and any any NFL team's best player, if they go down, your team's going to suffer, absolutely. I know you're talking about having a really good backup, but we do have really good backups. Like, um, half of our backups could start for other teams in the NFL. Yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right. Anyway, and nitpicking was the theme of the bad section of this uh, of this podcast anyway. So uh, let's move on to the next one. And you guys are probably going to have a go at me again here um because i made this good bad and sexy without your input <laughs> but i'm gonna go i'm gonna go defensive line if, I, if, I'm, if i'm looking at specifically this game uh, i'm gonna say defensive line were 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 not as as good as they have been not as effective as they have been i mean the stats showed themselves it was zero um zero sacks on cooper rush cooper rush is not a mobile quarterback the dallas uh, offensive line is good to okay it's not league leading it's 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 not elite as we would we would say the Eagles offensive line is elite. 
uh, sorry, uh, uh, yeah, offensive line is elite. And and we talked about this being game being won in the trenches, Mick, when we were on the podcast last week. I wasn't um, totally enamoured with the defensive line um, of the Eagles. As I mentioned, zero sacks, um, no excuses because all of our key players were fit. Um, Redick, there was pressures on the quarterback for sure, and there was Brandon Game. Brandon Graham had a, a really important hit on Rush, which led to the um, interception uh, by by CJ Gardner Johnson, the last one. Um, so you, you can make an argument that that was an important part of the game, and it was. Um, but overall, I was expecting the defensive line to get to their offensive line more. I don't know if you remember the Zeke touchdown, but oh my God, Fletcher Cox got driven 12 yards sideways by the Cowboys offensive offline. I mean, I haven't got his name to hand here, but it was a, it just looked like a really weak play by Fletcher. Like he, he didn't even try. He was kind of, he had his, he was being pushed on his back by the end of it. Like he just completely given up trying to fight through it. And that created a huge um, open space and hole for Zeke to run in and, and run around the corner. It was a good touchdown, mind. I need to look at that one again. It wasn't Zach Martin by any chance, was it? It was blocking Fletcher. Might have been Zach Martin, who obviously we know is, is elite as well. I, I'll need to double Hall check. Hall right guard. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but you don't expect one of your supposed elite defensive tackles to be pushed 12 yards on the play to create a hole that was bigger than you could fit three double-decker buses through for Z to get through. So I, I would have expected him to put up more of a fight. If you look at the play again, it's maybe not the, the personnel matchup he was against. It was the way he just kind of gave up right from the get-go. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't overly impressed with, personally. Um, yeah. And then, uh, sorry, um, I was just gonna say the the last thing I was gonna say was Jordan Davis. <clears throat> now I'm not saying Jordan Davis had a bad game, and this maybe arcs back, and maybe I should have put this in the coaches section of the the bad. But he, in my opinion, he's been used well in the nose tackle position. But I'd like to see more when 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 he was double teamed against Dallas. It was too, we were too late to react to it, to change it up, to move him around. I want to see him in more, want to see him more in more four schemes up front. I want to see him try and have the ability to rush to rush the quarterback because you we've seen how elite he is in in space. He he has the ability to to eat ground and yards up. And again, maybe this is in the bat in the Gannon bad segment of the podcast rather than Jordan Davis. But I would have liked to have seen him used a little bit differently. Um, and maybe be a bit more flexible with his use. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's absolutely fantastic getting off blocks. He's like unreal. Like his athleticism in that nose tackle position is 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 shining through. Anyway, I think he's looking pretty good. Sorry, Phil. I think you were about to jump in. No, I was going to say that. And with with that situation, when you look at the fact that we we held uh, Cooper Rush backup quarterback or not to QBR rating in the first half of one. One, <laughs> one. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the the Eagles' intentions were. They they could have every chance they're gone. If, if for all intents and purposes, kind of gone. We're not going to do it in the trench. We're going to do it in the secondary. And we kept his. You know, we literally scored a touchdown, intercepted on their very first drive on the um on their next possession. And I'm thinking, it's not it's not great. The defensive the defensive line, like you said, um. But for me, it was a case of if the intention was to focus more in other areas and the defensive line was just was just left to do what they need to do, then 
it wasn't a bad outcome in the first half. We managed to keep a quarterback, regardless of who, who, how you value him, to QB rating of one. And I think that has to be put on the scales on the other side when you're sort of saying the defensive line weren't up to scratch and Fletcher Cox was getting pushed 12 yards. Like, yeah, but they held a quarterback to a QB rating of one. That can't be ignored either. No, it can't be ignored. And, and again, I'll come back to the theme of nitpicking here because we, we, were, we were really looking hard at who who we thought could be better and maybe i maybe i think if you guys can have a lens of could be better rather than bad um for for this week i mean that might be that might be more accurate for the season i think i I think when i look (laughs) good sorry the good the bad and the nitpicking (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. i think i think maybe more my reasoning behind pulling these uh different bads in was in comparison to how they've played in other games during the season they've been a lot better the defensive line, uh, you know, they had nine sacks um, a few weeks ago against uh, Carson. That was Carson, though, wasn't it? it was... I, I know it was Carson. I know, I know, I know, I, but, but the offensive line of Dallas isn't isn't elite, elite, elite. Um, and I just, I personally would have wanted to see more for them. Um, nitpicking again, I would have wanted to see more from them. Anyway, let's get off this bad section because we're just nitpicking. Let's welcome to the podcast, Tony. Tony G, you look a bit like Mario Kart as I'm looking at you right now, Tony. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how are you, my friend? Sorry for that introduction. <laughs> I'm good. Good. Uh, good to see you guys. Sorry for the hold up. Uh, yeah, the mustache isn't the best look, um, but you guys know a little bit about the background story with that. And being a Philly fan, being a baseball guy, I'm a little superstitious, so... It's not going anywhere as long as good things are happening. Knock on wood. So I know, I know that I know that Christina would not be allowing you to have that moustache any longer than necessary if she didn't fully respect your superstitions on this one. Uh, it doesn't mean she still supports it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Mick, we're going to need a little bit of a video cut on this one, I think, so everyone can see Mario Kart uh, performing live on the British and Irish Eagles podcast. <laughs> Uh, Tony, welcome, welcome to the podcast. We've just finished the bad section. I did notice on your drive back from the dealership that when Phil was defending Gannon, you started doing the hang myself sign, the shoot myself in the head sign. Before we get into anything else, I just I, I just want to bring you in on the Gannon on the Gannon thing before we move any further. Could give us your um, undivided attention and opinion on Jonathan Gannon as a defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. So all jokes aside, and being one of the big Gannon hating, you know, fan club members, me and Mick over here, um, that I will say he has done a solid job. It all goes back to what you guys were just talking about earlier. It's just the biggest concern is he's not adapting and changing. It's the same routine. Anytime we get a big lead or a lead at all, he goes to this prevent zone defense that just allows teams to chew it up and and dink and dunk down the field until you're in scoring position so that's a big concern it's him just you know he plays two different defenses almost it's like where's the aggressive and the pressure and then he disappears and you know not to bring it up but like you know the old defense coordinator jim johnson you know his old motto was if you're bringing pressure you're bringing it all the time so no matter the score so just if that's changing the game that's what's leading to us having the great you know run a turnover differential in the league leading first in the league in that is because that's happening when we're applying pressure not the other way around 
So I would just like to see him stay consistent in his play calling. So I think that's other than that, other than that, I would say he has done a solid job. It's just the inconsistencies that continues to frustrate me. I know it frustrates Mick and I know it frustrates a lot of people, you know, of my friends and family and, and people over here that watch the game and all the reporters that you guys follow as well. It's just the inconsistency there of what is he thinking? And sometimes I think he tries to be too creative where he's a big analytics guy and he gets into his binder a little bit with the analytics part of that, but you just got to stick to basics. It's just like when we run the ball, you know, it's sometimes simple is better, but I mean, if you're doing one thing and it's working, why stray away from that? So. Love that. Love that. And Tony, just um, for everyone listening, you've been on the podcast before, but you've you've got a new job now since, uh, and you've got a new ring on your finger. Like, give us an update on. Oh, no, no. I was was saying to you, Liam, this is my fifth time. My five time. Fifth time on the podcast? Wow. Fifth time. I think I missed a couple, right? Yeah, you did. You had, you made some excuse on one of them. I don't remember what it was. So (laughs) that's all right, though. The three of us had a good time, but we missed you. Do you want to give it up? Um, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, no, so so we relocated. Uh, the last time you guys talked to me in the previous times, we were living in Baltimore. Um, so not too far from Philly. Um, but now we are back down south. Uh, I took a new job and we moved. We we're in the Charlotte area. Technically, I live in South Carolina right now. Um, warmer weather uh, nice. year round. Um, ad- adjusting to that still because it, it's like hit and miss one day it was 30 here and the next day it was 70 so um it's been it's been back and forth but it's been good it's a different way of life down here we're in the suburbs now and it's been good so the only unfortunate thing is I, you know I went to part of my job is covering the Carolina Panthers and as you guys have told you I, I don't hide it to them to anybody who I am and who I support so I still have eagle stuff when I go to Carolina Panthers practice so it's always it's always it's always I get looks, but I'm like I'm not going to change who I am. So uh, like, I and think- it's just I feel bad for them because it's just depressing covering the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> so I I will say I feel for them. I have a friend that's a born and raised here. He's a big Panthers fan, and even he says, I mean, it's a mess. And you guys know we're not. This isn't a Panthers podcast, but it, they're just <laughs> they're not good. And they're not getting any better. And I don't know if any of you guys were Baker Mayfield supporters coming out of college, but I was always suspect on that. And I think you're seeing kind of who he really is um, versus that one good year he had in Cleveland. And that was only because they ran the ball a lot. So, yeah, I want to, um, I wonder whether we can get your unsolicited opinion on the um, Robbie Anderson um, situation, which has just happened. What's the um, thoughts on um, um, I mean, I mean, he, he got what he deserved. You don't show up your team and your teammates and your coach like that. I, I appreciate the coach for, for being old school and saying, get out of here if you don't want to be a of part here. of it. And, yeah. and I will say being around the team here, uh, Robbie has that kind of reputation um, of kind of like skipping practices and doing all this. The only reason he got away with it maybe is because Matt rule was his coach at temple in Philly Um so when they cut Matt Rule loose and the defensive coordinator who came with them from Baylor, that were basically a joint package. I'm surprised they didn't just cut Robbie, and they probably should have cut PJ Walker because there's a lot of owls down here, speaking yeah. Philly wise. So 
Anyway, right. this is well, an Eagles podcast. Yeah, that's enough. So let's get back to it. Let's get back to it. You know, we we beat Dallas boys. We're six and zero. We got the bye. You know, I'm looking at our schedule, and you know, we'll dive into it a little bit quick, Liam. But um, you know, I'll let I'll let you take the range. You're the you're the host of the host with the most, and uh, we'll go from there. But thanks for having me back on. Well, you're more than welcome, man. You're more than welcome. Uh, yeah. So, well, listen, we've what we've done so far is we've done the bad, the good, the good, the bad, and the right sexy. So, let's bring some positivity to the podcast, shall we? All right. Yes. We've been on for a little while now. Let's get some Please. positivity going. Let's get into the good part of the podcast, and we'll do the damn right sexy at the end of that, and then we'll get into a look around the NFC East, and we'll also um, just we've got some questions, Tony, that we'll fire at you, and uh, just generally about the Eagles, where we are, the schedule, the look, how you're feeling. Um, which we'll do as well. And uh, just while I'm on this point, um, we'll, we will also be joined by Shil Kapadia uh, next week from The Ringer. He'll be recording with us next Thursday. So uh, make sure to check out The Ringer podcast on Spotify with him and Ben Solak. And uh, Shil will be on with us next week. So make sure to look out for that. Um, big, yeah, on. big, big fan of Shil, Liam. So that's a good get for you guys, for sure. So, yeah, I'm hoping yeah. to get all three of the old birds with friends. So we just need to snag Bo Wolf at some point. Um, but I was chatting to uh, chatting to the marketing director of the um, Eagles organization today with Phil, and um, is a longtime friend of Bo. So I've got a channel in there, and I'll see if we can get Bo on the podcast as well. Um, flex, be... flex, flex. <laughs> oh, he's rubbing shoulders with this guy. See, Phil, you know how <laughs> un- insufferable he's going to be when he gets to Philly for the Green Bay game. <laughs> I'm muting him when he leaves. When he gets in that plane, I'm just muting him. It's going to be brutal, every. Man. I know it's going to be unbearable. I may leave the group chat just for a couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll join you. We'll create our own new one. Oh, yeah. Blackjack and hookers. <laughs> just forget the blackjack and the hookers. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you said forget the blackjack, and he said, "Oh, I better say hookers as well." I saw that pause in your uh, your statement there. Don't All try right. and don't try and claw your way back into this one. <laughs> Alrighty, alrighty. So uh, listen, let's look at the good and let's chat about um, the person who is always on the good and will permanently always be on the good part of the podcast as long as the Eagles are winning, as long as they are 6-0, and and that is Jalen Hurts. It wasn't Jalen Hurts' best game as quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, but he still had a good game and he still came out with the W, which, are, which is really, really important, obviously, for his growth as a quarterback for the consistency of the team and for that that mentality that we were talking about last week, Mick, as well. Let me just list off some of the stats for Hertz here. Nothing spectacular in the passing game, 15 to 25, 155 yards. He did have two um, touchdowns, though, and he did have a passer rating of 104.6. Um, he rushed the ball nine times for 27 yards as well. No touchdowns rushing this week. Um, and I believe he's been our banker nearly every single week to score a touchdown for the Eagles on the ground and um, didn't do it this week. So it's a lot. There you go. So just, just talking about the, this game specifically, um, I mentioned two touchdowns, no interceptions. He was hit hard. This was a tough game for Jalen. He was sacked four times, which is, as I mentioned earlier, is, is the most he's been sacked this season. Um, he had a makeshift offensive line, which we've already talked about due to injuries throughout the game coming up against one of the best defenses in the league, and he still came out clutch with the win. We talked about his intangibles last week, Mick, about um, his character, his persona, his leadership. It's not just that, though. It's his calmness. It's his ability to put the team on his back. And while I know the game-winning touchdown was not Jalen putting putting 
the team on his back because it was a 13-yard play and 10 of those were rushing plays. He came up clutch and made two really important back-to-back passing plays to A.J. Brown and then Devontae Smith to score what was, in the end, the game-winning touchdown for the Eagles. And that was a really important conjecture in the game. We touched on it earlier. The momentum was firmly in Dallas's favor. They were running all over us at that point in our group. It was like, can we stop Dallas? Phil, you mentioned it. Can we stop Dallas? Can we score again? Can we stop this rut? I'm not going to give all of the plaudits to Hertz for that last for that last 73 yards, um, you know, play that we had, um, drive I should say, but he was certainly an integral part of that. And until I see a game where Hertz displays different characteristics, buckles under pressure, um, doesn't make impact plays. He made a couple of impact first down plays throughout the game at really important third downs. He had the two throwing touchdowns and no interceptions, didn't turn the ball over. Until I start seeing big games like the Dallas game, as big as it was, until I start seeing Jalen crumble under that pressure, he's never going to be out of the good part of the good, the bad, the bad and the sexy. He'll be in the damn sexy some weeks and he'll be in the good. He's not going into the bad unless he shows that. And the more he continues to show that, the happier I'm going to be as, as a fan, as a host of this podcast. But um, let's bring you in, Phil. Uh, thoughts, thoughts on that for Jalen? Uh, no, I just wanted to interject. I said, we've told you time and time again, Liam, if you could give us advance warning of these Jalen Hurts rants, that would be much appreciated. I'm not finished yet. I'm not finished I'm... yet. <laughs> we'll carry on then. Get it out. Get your system. Go on. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right, so we talked about the game um, against Dallas and how he did, but let's take a bit of a time out here, right? We're, we're going into the bye week. There, we're six games into the season, right? Let, let's look at what Jalen has accomplished so far as a quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles through six games. Jalen Hurts is one. He is undefeated. He is six games under his belt. He has not been beaten this season. He has 1,514 yards. That averages over 250 yards per game for someone who they've said can't throw the ball, can't pass the ball deep, is inaccurate. Okay, let's talk about his accuracy. His completion percentage is 67%, comfortably 6, 7, 8, 9% up from what it was last year. At the moment, that is ninth in the NFL at the moment. Um, but he's within half a yard per game average of being in the top four. And he was in the top four last week before this game. Not only that, but he's only given up two interceptions in those six games. And he has nearly 300 yards on the ground, averaging over 50 yards, just around 50 yards per game with a further six touchdowns on the ground. If you want to look at the interception to touchdown stats, if you're bringing in the rushing touchdowns and the passing touchdowns, it's 12 to two, six, it's six to one. Um, you know, he has fumbled the ball a few times, but sometimes they've been recovered. Sometimes they've been recovered by the, the opposing team. Just just to back you up there, it, it, the, the thing for me was, I think when it when it got to 2017, there, were, there was a shot to the sideline. It was Jalen Hurts, obviously, just after they'd scored. Um, and he just looks on his face. And I've never seen someone look so calm. Like, we're all, yeah. we're all sat at home, watching on the screen, going and going, like shaking. Some people are... Uh, sort of sat there kind of go we've lost the game Ali um and and he just looks at the screen looks at the scoreboard goes yeah cool right time to go to work off he goes time to go to work yeah time to go to work and then and then leads us out of the game gets the gets the game winning or game winning like game finishing touchdown and then and then, then we go and I think it's those intangibles that you've mentioned before that that that's what sets him apart that's what gives him that that cushion of people just aren't 
concern. There's not there's not that that nervousness when it comes. You, you generally believe in him. And the Phillies have started. Oh, I need to get that switch on. Actually, can we finish this podcast? I need to go and watch the Phillies. It's three and oh, It's three and oh to the Phillies. I uh, just got it off my phone here to to start with. Tony, can you give us a quick live update on the three and oh Phillies right now? What what are we talking? Who's who scored? Uh, we are three and oh, or we are up three and oh in the top of the second. A couple guys got knocked in on some uh, some singles. We're hitting the ball around on the pitcher here, Snell. Uh, who is the guy that hit Harper on the hand earlier in the season and broke his hand? So it's kind of sweet. And uh, just got to keep got to keep the train rolling, boys. That's that's all that matters, you know. Just got to keep going full steam ahead. So I will personally say I I didn't see us getting this far, uh, given how the end of the season was going. But let's keep it going. Good vibes in Philly all around, boys. It's a little bit. It's a little bit bittersweet for me. Not. It's not a little bit. It's a very small amount of bit of sweetness for me is the fact that the Padres are the only team that I've actually seen a baseball game I was in San Diego a few in 2016 and and this is the only baseball team I've ever seen and and I enjoyed myself there so I've got kind of like a very small soft spot much in the same way I mean obviously I didn't become a massive Padres fan like I did become the Eagles but you know you're watching a game and you you get you get heavily invested in it so like I'm now fully a Phillies guy but like the San Diego Padres was sort of like a small soft spot right up until that criminal video that's been doing the rounds on Twitter. Well, let's not go any further on that one because we've talked about the Pampers, we're talking about the Phillies, and I think Mick's about to fall asleep in the camera in the bottom corner here. So let's keep back on the Eagles train. Go Phils. We're supporting you. We hope you go all the way. Shout out to uh, UK Phillies in the UK. If you don't follow him on Twitter, please go and follow him. He's a great guy. We'll be doing some work together with him. So um, just on the Jalen Hurts point, um, Tony, can I bring you in there? Uh, how are you feeling about Jalen Hurts now, six games into the season? How happy are you that Russell Wilson is not our quarterback? What are you seeing out of this guy? What are your hopes for him moving forward? Oh, he's gone on oh, mute. I lost you. I lost you. you. I got you. You're Sorry. In. No. Um, so, yeah, I feel great, guys. I, I will say, you know, I, I was never a Hurts hater. Did I have my questions? Yes. Am I going to get ahead of myself right now? No. But I will say that he has shown a lot of improvement, his intangibles. A big thing is, I, you guys were mentioning it, the way Shane Steichen has, and uh, our coach Sariani have established the offense uh, to play around his strengths have been huge. Um, and it's just been, it's been impressive. So far, so good. Uh, you know, no one ever questioned his work ethic. By the way, it's 4 nothing Phillies. Sorry, Liam. And, uh, <laughs> and... Yeah, it's been great. I mean, they everything they're doing RPO-wise, run pass, and then obviously establishing the run, which was a big strength of ours last year, using that mix and match with AJ shout out to and Coach Devante. Singleton. Shout out to Coach Singleton, our shout out, coach. Shout out to Coach. Uh, yeah, so it's it's been great. I mean, just keep it rolling and keep playing to his strengths and don't make them try to do – you know, too much that isn't his strength. Like he's not a deep ball guy. He can throw a good deep ball. Don't get me wrong, but that's not like he's not a pocket passer, like a Herbert or something. So just play to the strengths. Keep playing. Keep it. Keep it going. Just like the Phillies, man. Keep that train rolling and just keep playing to the strengths and and doing what works. Don't try to get too creative. Don't try to think outside the box too much. Just do what works. But there has been a lot of creativity in the offense, which I do like. Yeah. So. It's, it's a couple of points on that here. I, I actually think Jalen Hurts is becoming more of a pocket passer um, than, he, than he was previously. Obviously, that's 
player from the stats, right? But I do think he has the ability, the ability to to learn. I think he has the work effort to learn and the talent to be a pocket passer if he wants to later on in his career and to do more of that when he plays. But another point, I've realized where Phil gets his fence mentality from. Um, well, I think it's from Tony. This reasoned opinion, you know, giving both sides and a take here. Phil, is this, were you baby fence and this is daddy fence? Is, what's what's going on here? Oh, I've always been much more of a fence guy than, than Tony. Tony's learning from me about how to be a little bit less impulsive, I think. <laughs> I, love I love it. I love it. All right, Mick. Mick, let's, bring, let's bring you in, buddy. Let's bring you in. Hot take. Um, you can give us a quick hurt take. Go for it. Oh, um, is anyone going to be able to stop him on the short yards? Um, Gene one, four and one. No one. Unbelievable, isn't it? That was some. That's some crazy stuff. You just, I don't, I don't understand. See how defenses are ever going to stop him? It's absolutely unbelievable. They're not I, even I disguising it anymore. Either, either, like he, he's like hits like ninety-eight percent of them or something like that. Yeah, squatted six hundred pounds in college. Um, but yeah, I, I get, yeah, he doesn't even disguise them. They just, they, they know they're setting up for it, and they just do it. And it's just removing bodies. <laughs> it's a bit. It's a bit like death taxes and and the quarterback yeah, sneak. It <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like I generally got that feeling during the game, like doing it on three and one, two and one, even, and it's just oh, second and one. Sorry, and it's like they're gonna go quarterback sneak. The other team, they even say like, by the way, guys, we're gonna do a quarterback sneak. Just to let you guys know you can get set up. Go, just let us know when you're ready, and they just yeah. still smash straight through. It's just. That's such a valuable tool, though, isn't it? Really, but it's not just Jalen Hurts. I mean, it is. It's the running back and Dallas Goddard behind him pushing him. Like so, they they set up in that they set up in that um, victory formation. In the, in the yeah, almost victory formation, and then and then Goddard and and it was Gainwell on a number of times were pushing Hurts through. I mean, he, he doesn't need it. You look at Hurts' legs moving through it, and he's he's going to get it anyway. And the offensive line push is absolutely ridiculous. Mick, it's a great shout. Who is going to stop Jalen Hurts? getting you know i reckon he could get like almost two yards um, and yeah. do, doing that nearly every time that they try to do it it's, um... but phil's right it's just such a, a great weapon to have in your arsenal there because if, if you're you know set up for third down and you know it's maybe not something long but something five or something four or something like that you know that you can go for a run play and have end up with a short yardage and then do the quarterback sneak on fourth down if you have the field position to do that. So it just gives us a little bit extra where most teams are, you know, passing down. Yeah. I love it. Right. Let's move on. Let's move on from Jalen Hurts and let's go to the secondary. Uh, no, tell you, what, we're not going to do that. We're, let's have a little piece. Let's have a little piece of my buddy, Jake Elliott. Right, let's give Jakey some love in the good part of this podcast, all right? The doppelganger. Um, the, the doppelganger. He's, he's a little bit lighter than me these days, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, we don't often talk about kickers, although we did talk about Dicker, the kicker, last week on the podcast because he came in and had an awesome display um, and won the NFC East Special Teams Player of the Week last week. Shout out to Dicker, the kicker. The reason... I've got Jake Elliott in the good part of the good good part of good bad and the damn sexy this week is because it's not just because he went two for two in field goals and two for two of PATs. One of his field goals is from 51 yards as well. Um, it's not just that, it's the manner in which he did it and it's the circumstance in which he was in. Jake Elliott has been a stalwart, consistent kicker for the Eagles, bar a few mishaps a few years ago. Um, I won't talk about the story that I have, but I have a particular affection for, for Jake Elliott. And 
this is the first time he's properly come under pressure. Uh, he must have been feeling some pressure this week because he's been the kicker for, for ages for the Eagles. Dicker the kicker comes in. He's young. He's talented. And he, he does what he does last week. If you're Jake Elliott and you're coming off the back of an injury and you're coming in to play, to play after Dicker the kicker's done, if you have a bad game against Dallas, if you have a bad game against Dallas, all of a sudden there's kicker controversy within the Eagles' rank. Guaranteed. If, if, if Elliott misses one or two field goals against Dallas, all of a sudden Dicker the kicker's not going anywhere. No one's picking up Dicker the kicker. He's staying around. And at some point that pressure builds and builds and builds. And Elliot just smashed that into the ground. Get out of here. Right. You know, Dicker, Dicker, get out of here. This is my turf. This is my turf. Right. He 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 did exactly what he needed to do. He came in, he came up clutch. He showed why he is the Philadelphia Eagles kicker, and he's gonna be for a long, long time. And um, shout out to uh, my hero, Alan Shearer. Um, from Newcastle United, who was over supporting um, the Premier League in the US with the Eagles, um, I think for ESPN, um, I, I believe. And um, he, he he got a, a number nine, which was Shearer's number, signed Jake Elliott jersey, um, who, which he's bringing home with him. But um, Tony, give, give us a shout out here for uh, for Jake Elliott. No, I mean, he's He's, he's been great. He had to step up when he needed to coming back from injury. I don't know why you're trying to start a controversy over kicker. Um, <laughs> trying to stir the pod there, stir the, stir the pot, stir the pod. Cause it's a podcast, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, well, Dicker, the kicker was great. It was one week though. Um, congrats on him winning the award uh, and then being sent right back to the practice squad. But Jake, Jake's been here a long time. He has, I think he has the faith and trust of the team and the organization. Um, he had a really good year last year. And um, now the Padres just hit a home run. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm watching and then, you. Don't get distracted. We're professionals yeah, no, here, Tony. Sorry, Come on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. But uh, but I would. I will just say, I don't think there would have been much of a controversy. It'd take a lot for Elliot to really start struggling for their to, to get to that point. Um, he's under contract for a little longer and he, you know, if he had another iffy year, like he did two years ago, then yeah, or he would probably still wouldn't be here, but because of the year he had, because how long he's been here and the trust and faith of his coaches and his team, I don't see that being the case as much as you might love Dicker, the kicker or just the name. No, so, I, I, my love is all for Jake Elliott. I appreciate where you're coming from. Maybe I just wanted to give Jake some juice on the podcast because he doesn't get talked about often enough. No, he, um, he, he, yeah, he should be mentioned more. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and I do think there would have been an element of nervousness within Jake coming up, coming off the injury, coming off, seeing what um, Dicker the Kicker did. I love saying that, Dicker the Kicker. I think there, would, there I, must have been an element of nervousness there by the bad game. No, you don't think so? Oh, wow. Jesus Christ. Sorry. Uh, they, they don't, don't watch what's going on right now, Liam. Uh, and I will say that, yeah, maybe a little nervous, but the guy's been here how long he's a veteran he's experienced. I don't think that would be really be in the back of his mind unless he was really struggling um, already. So I don't see that as the case, but you know, all love to Jake our guy, Jake Elliott. And to be honest, our boy Sipos has been actually oh, the ball, punting the ball pretty well. So, All right, you know. Mick. Well, you got to bring Mick, uh, Mick in here on this then. Sipos, Mick, you've been impressed with his improvements recently. You still want him around next year? 
no, I don't. <laughs> I don't enjoy his support, but um, to be fair, he, he didn't have a terrible game against Dallas. So, but I mean, his job is to to punt the ball into there. How hard could it be? <laughs> All right, enough talking about kickers. We've talked about um, enough enough segued parts of this podcast so far. And Tony, keep your eyes on the podcast and the game, my friend. Uh, we get we get, we get professionals on this podcast. We got Shilk Party come on next week. You think he's going to be watching the Phillies game? Probably. Um, <laughs> all righty. Um, cool. So next up, after giving a bit of juice to, to Mr. Elliot, Jake Elliott, let's go for the, the, the secondary. Um, and Phil, I want to bring you here on this. The, the entire secondary had a, a really good game. Um, not just talking about CJ, GJ, Gardner Johnson's two interceptions, but as a whole, the, the team are playing well. They played well against Dallas. They came up trumps, and they've had a really good season so far. How impressed are you in a secondary that is chalk and cheese to what we've been used to seeing here uh, at the Eagles? It's been a it's been a massive transformation, isn't it? Really, when you think about the players that have come in, all being brand new to to the Eagles' defense. You know, Bradbury. I mean, Slay is pretty much Slay and Maddox are the only real secondary stalwarts, if you want to call them that. Um, for the Eagles and, and the amount of new people that have come in. But like I think we've, we've touched on it before, that the, the people they seem to brought in have, have, have always seemed to have a connection to Philly, to the Eagles, to something like that. They, and But generally, they're just team players. They're, they're, they're characters. They're good guys. Like um, CJ, GJ has sort of obviously had a game. But after the game, he's sort of, he's crowing um, about how good the Eagles are, how this is the best place he's ever been. And, um, and sort of Reddick stepping up over the last few weeks. It's just been, it's, it feels such uncharted territory for us right now to sort of be looking at our secondary going, go on, throw it. Go well, for it. You've you mentioned someone so far, you haven't mentioned someone so far, it's probably been our best, best defense, defender, Mick, and that's um, James Bradbury. James Bradbury's been incredible. Thank you, Giants. Baldbury. Baldbury. Did I say Bradbury? <laughs> Yeah, he's a bold man. You got me second. You got me second guessing. Guessing, I got a name wrong there for a second. <laughs> no, as I think, <laughs> I think CJ called him it in the in the locker room in one of the videos that the Eagles put out the post celebration or something. Um, no, I mean, like you said, we've had nineteen interceptions so far this year. We're only six games in. Slay's had three. CJ's had three. Bradbury's had two. Maddox's had one. Um, unbelievable. You know that yeah. we've, we've we've sort of touched on the turnover the differential being that plus twelve, um, and one in part because Jalen Hurts takes care of the ball. Our running backs have been taking care of the ball. We've hardly had any fumbles. Jalen's not really thrown any interceptions. Um, there was a fumble in this game, but it was because Kelsey completely messed up the snap. Um, that wasn't on Jalen at all, but unfortunately Jalen will get the fumble. For that one, um, but just I mean, this secondary has been been lights out so far, and it was probably the most worrisome group of players that we had coming in the season, well, to the end end of last season anyway. When you know we had Stephen Nelson, we had uh, Anthony Harris at safety. Uh, we were still rolling with um, Rodney McLeod as well at safety. He's over at the Colts now, um, you know, but. We've, like Phil said, we've just completely re- 
rejuvenated the whole secondary and they're playing lights out, you know. But we saw with CJ coming out of the game, we don't have the depth there either. So uh, when we're talking about, you know, where we don't have the depth on the offensive line, it's that secondary for me. That's that's where I feel we don't have the depth. Um, when one guy goes out, we really start to struggle. We saw Maddox has already had some time out in that slot corner position. Josiah Scott did a job, but ultimately not great. And then when CJ came out, again, you arguably the best part of the game that, they, that Dallas had. Um, when Kayvon Wallace was there, and Kayvon Wallace shite, by the way. Now, did you say that? He is shite. It's a shame, isn't it? Because I had a lot of hopes of him coming out of draft, and I think I gave him way too much slack, even going into the second. And is it his third year now or second year now? I had him cut when we were doing our fifth third year. Roster. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm sure Tony wants to let everyone know that it's the end of the fourth now, and they haven't considered any more runs for Phillies on on, on that drive. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. We're talking the secondary here right now. <laughs> um, so, so listen, without going any further into the secondary. Um, because we're going to be talking about the secondary in a minute. I might give you a little bit of a hint who's going to have the damn right sexy. Um, I want to just, I want to just, um, a few of us have noted in a good section. Miles Sanders had a good game again. He's having a really solid season this year for the Birds. Another touchdown, another really important plays, um, and, and um, patient plays, which which I was really happy to see. A number of patient plays where he almost was a bit like Le'Veon Bell waiting and, and, and standing behind the offensive line before before spotting the hole, rather than just trying to hammer it through or use his speed. That, to me, shows a bit of growth from Miles Sanders as a running back. Just to see that happening, I was really, really happy to see that. Um, Sirianni, I mean, we talk about him every podcast, so um, it's, it's a shock that we're not talking about him. Again, he did a fantastic job. Uh, I remember seeing um, uh, something on Reddit the other day, on the Eagles Reddit feed about... Um, Sirianni basically saying, fuck you, Dallas, or you guys go fuck yourselves after the game. And the fact that I responded to this message and uh, Flex had a you know good few hundred uh, likes after I put it in there. Basically, like the decision that Sirianni made, look at Mickey, he loves it when I flex. And <laughs> <laughs> the decision Sirianni made to take himself away from the play calling duties at offensive coordinator and bring himself up a level, right? So he can he can have a more overview sight of the, without going into the stands, like someone do, have a more overview sight of the game, what's happening, get in the fields of the game, one-on-one coaching with players during the game, one-on-one advice for, for coordinators during the game, for coaches during the game, and to also exert that passion he has verbally during the game, which clearly has such an impact on players and the way they're playing, is, is one of the most selfless, and I think impactful reasons that the Eagles are doing so well this year. And I've, I've spoken so much about Sirianni now, and maybe he should have his own segment in a good part, but just a shout out to Nick Sirianni. I mean, second year head coach, he's six and zero. He's just beat the Dallas Cowboys after we lost to them a number of times that we are a far cry from that flower blossoming interview. And we are a far cry from that first interview where he looked like he was a, a you know, a, did, didn't look comfortable at all of where he was. Like a like a child in a you know board meeting room, you know, and, and now look at him. He's the orchestra of this team, of this offense, of the players. He's almost the orchestra of Philadelphia in a certain way. 
You know, he's at every game. He's going to bye week this week. I'm sure he's going to be at every Phillies game, every 76ers game. Fuck, he might even make a Flyers game. The Union play on Friday. Maybe he'll be at the Union game on Friday. This guy loves Philadelphia, and Philadelphia loves him. So shout out to Nick Sirianni. Um, there you go. Phil, that's another little uh, segment where you could have gotten, gotten got yourself a beer there. Uh, <laughs> Finally, and Tony, I'll bring you in on this one. Shout out to the Eagles fans. Right. Shout out to the Eagles fans. We're when we've been playing away from home all year this year, the Eagles have been having home games. When they're having home games, they're having playoff games. Like the atmosphere is insane at the link at the moment. It's so difficult for opposing offensive coordinators, quarterbacks, everyone who comes to try and play the link at the moment. It's absolutely crazy. You're right. You get their hands over their ears. They can't hear the plays being called. So why don't you touch on that, Tony? But also just what it's like in Philadelphia at the moment from all your friends who live there. I mean, we, we talked, we mentioned the Phillies, you know, they're playing the Padres. They need to win three more games to make the World Series, which would be absolutely insane. Um, I, I, I don't know how many years it's been, 11 or, or 12 years since they made the playoffs. Probably a lot longer since they made the World Series. The 76ers look like they've got a team who can challenge for the, the, the whole thing this year. Uh, the Union, who never going to mention, won their division this year. Um, and the Flyers, we won't maybe talk about so much, but what's it like right now being an, being an, a Philadelphia sports fan in the USA right now? What's it, what's it like over there? Uh, it is a wild time. It's almost an unbelievable time because we don't know what it feels like to have all the teams clicking at once. Yeah. Um, it's usually one or the other or none. Um, not getting ahead of ourselves. I'm very realistic, as you guys know, but I, I mean – it's hard not to be excited. It's hard not to be thrilled. It's hard not to think big picture. Um, the city itself, all my friends and family up there, you know, the radio channel, you know, sports radio is huge in the city of Philadelphia. I mean, it's, it's livid. It's, it's lit. It's on fire. Like the city's ready to burn to the ground in celebration, grease the poles, boys, you know, all that. So um, it, it's great, honestly. I can't remember a time when all the teams are really clicking. I mean, even the Flyers are three and zero. I don't no expect that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not getting ahead of that. It's only three games, and I'm not a huge hockey guy. But hey, they beat the Lightning the other night, and they won two out of the last three Stanley Cups. So it, it's a wild time. It's an exciting time. Um, you know, the Phillies look dominant um, in the playoffs so far. The Eagles are dominating on their their side of the ball it's just it's a wild and exciting time to be to be a philly fan i mean and I, even though i live down here i've told you guys before there's a ton of people from up north that yeah. live down here now more than not it's transplants and there's a ton of eagles fans and i plan to do a meetup with all the eagles fans there's an eagles chapter here in charlotte nice um and, and just you know it, it's a wild time you see more eagles stickers down here than you can imagine on cars so it's just it's good to be a Philly fan right now and I feel bad for the for all the Carolina people around here but you know what tough shit so (laughs) you know uh and you know they hate us because they ain't us so that's that's all I can say so I love that they may not they may not like us but as you guys know we don't care we don't care um I love I love that um and I just love being part of Philly fandom, sports fandom, especially the Eagles fandom. 
watching the stadiums. I mean, Miami had a home game last weekend and it was half full. Like a home game for the Dolphins was half full. Imagine, imagine you have to fight to get tickets to watch the Eagles play at home. Like it's hard. It's expensive. It's it is a forty year wait list for season tickets right now. Exactly. I need to get on that. If I if I do survive until I'm seventy one, which most people don't, you just have to you have to bloat me for good seats. So you know. Alrighty, alrighty. Well, I'm. Uh, well, I'll be there at the Packers game, Tony. Will you be Will you be back for Thanksgiving? Uh, I right now I don't know if my schedule for work. Um, but I will keep you in the loop for sure, Liam. Either way, I'll try to I'll try to catch you. I might be up there. Are you there? How many days are you up there? Yeah, so I get in. I get in to New York. So where I'm taking my mum for a 60th birthday, and Katie's coming over as well. So we hit New York on the 19th to the 22nd. Um, 23rd to the 29th, we're in Newtown, Pennsylvania, just outside Philly. So. Yep, I know where that is. So hit me, hit me up, bro. Hit me up. We'll. Uh, we'll I will. Up. Hey, do me one favor. Do what I always do when I'm in New York City visiting my in-laws. Wear all your Philly sports gear. Oh, I'm gonna. And actually, yeah. Um, no Reddit, shame. On Reddit the other day, I I posted in there where should I go watch it, and they sent me a a a map of all of the Philly bars. Um, around the world, which is constantly updated by Philly fans. So I've got a list of them. Uh, maybe I'll throw them your way. If you can tell me which one's the best to go to in New York, I'll, I'll be there with, I might even steal a Passion Avenue Jason Kelsey attire that he wore for the speech and bring that with me. Hopefully Gaz isn't listening in. Sorry, Gaz, I won't do that. Um, anyway. I, yeah. yeah. On. One, one thing I would add is that, you know, being a Philly fan is like anything else. Because when the city's lit, it's lit. And I'm sure you guys have seen the gifts and stuff. We're not trying to get ahead of ourselves. But the NFL's worst nightmare for tailgating at the Super Bowl would be Philly fans and Bill, Bills yeah. fans. Yeah, Because it'll look like World War II outside <laughs> after that. So. I'm all about that. Let's make that happen. Let's make that happen. I agree. Um, all righty. Um, so we just got one more good, and then we'll take a quick break for the damn right sexy. And Phil, uh, throw it over to you here, buddy. Uh, AJ Brown. Um, added him, added him in on the uh, the good part of the segment. His numbers didn't look great. They didn't jump off the page. Five catches, sixty-seven yards. He did have a touchdown. It wasn't just that though. It was the way in which he played, the moments in the game which the Eagles went to him. That was really impressive. How impressed have you been of AJ Brown so far? Uh, Five hundred three yards in six games, averaging eighty-three yards per game. Only has two touchdowns, but how impressive the way uh, you are of AJ Brown, the way the Eagles are using him in big moments. Well, we also need to mention the fact that he was definitely one of those uh, quarterback sneak formations, or the victory formation style, sort of pushing Jalen Hurts over the over the line. So he, he's versatile in that regard, um, but he's exactly what we were looking for in a. You know, wide receiver one coming in. He's he's reliable. He's sort of got the 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 dependability of Dallas Goddard, the the speed of of Devontae Smith, and and just the catching. It, oh my God, his catching is just is just exactly what we need. Just you know, call him a safety net. It's probably a massive insult, but under don't underestimate it. In, in a season where our quarterback is having to show his passing above all else to show that he's improved to have a player like uh i think you're dead a- right i think you're right to say safety now i think you're right yeah yeah to, to have a player like aj brown as your safety net is sort of such a luxury to have and, and and you've said the stats already like how much he's achieved in in six six games so far for the eagles it's 
he's the stellar signing of the offseason, regardless of whether you're a defensive or offensive fan, you know, trading your first round, one of your first round picks in the draft, go get him. Um, instead of picking a prospective wide receiver from the draft, we decide to go and get an established player. And he and he's not disappointed whatsoever. I think moving forward, he is he is the guy that that Hurts is going to be clinging to the most. Already, uh, Mick, anything further to add on AJ Brown before we move to a break? Yes. Um, I had a big problem last week of how AJ Brown was utilised in the second half of the Arizona game where he was posted missing. They had um, three snaps, I think, and one target. And this week he's up to, uh, let me just see, he's up to... He had more snaps. <laughs> he had 86, 86% of the offensive snaps yeah. in this game. And you know, he, he did play a big part in that second half. And, you know, he is automatic to, uh, from Jalen Hurts because they have that connection and he also provides that mismatch as well um, because he's such a big-bodied wide receiver and it's what exactly what we've been needing for, like, all these years. And, you know, how he can't seem to draft a wide receiver for shit. So, um, paying him that... Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that was in the top 10 wasn't it? So it's hard to miss yeah. uh, running about that point. And there's a Heisman winner. Um, but, you know... Uh, well, one thing I wanted to bring that's up... That's why he gets the big bucks. Well, yeah, absolutely. That's why he gets the big bucks. And, and as you rightly said last week, he's getting the big bucks, so he should be playing. And he should be getting that snap count. Um, just quickly, before we, before we have a break, the play-action part, the play-action run, they, not run or pass, the play-action scheme play that they use with Jalen Hurts breaking around to the right and then A.J. Brown in the flat coming around. You, you have two options there. Jalen, he, he, he reads the, the cornerback and, and the linebacker. He either holds onto the ball and he takes it through himself or he throws in the flat to A.J. Brown and A.J. Brown, yak, 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 yak after yards, yards after uh, catch. Um, and it's 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 undefendable. Well, we talked about the Jalen Hurts uh, quarterback sneak being nearly undefendable, it seems they could make this play all game and, and get yards out of it. Tony, uh, how how exciting is it to know that you have a blanket like A.J. Brown to go to when you really need to? Bear in mind, you already have Dallas Goddard as a blanket as well. I mean, having the two of them, two of the better guys for that in the league is, is tremendous. He's obviously, you guys have mentioned, everybody knows AJ is one of the better receivers in, in yards after catch. Um, and with that big bodied size, having that chemistry with Jalen previously before they even got here, and then being able to build on that has been obviously evident in their play together. Um, and just I think that he was really a, a big missing piece, the type of receiver they needed to complement Devontae. And I am glad, though, I like the usage of AJ up until the last game. Um, but I was a little concerned after that first game that it was heavily just on AJ yeah, and so Jalen. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, you also have Devontae. So I'm glad they're finally like being more creative and spreading the ball because the more you spread the ball, the more that helps each other out. So especially with, you know, Jalen coming out of the pocket a lot. So being able to spread that um, and, and get everybody involved opens it up, obviously, for miles as well. Um, so it's been tremendous, obviously, and he's one of the better big, big-bodied wide receivers in the league. And if he stays healthy, knocking on wood there, because uh, you can never knock on enough wood. 
that, you know, he's going to be here for a while. And hopefully, you know, Jalen is so far so good, uh, the quarterback. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> not going to dive on that, that, that Jalen train just yet. Um, all right, guys, we're going to take a 60 second break. We'll speak to you shortly. This podcast is sponsored by Passion Avenue, London's premier Philadelphia sports bar. It is the number one location to watch Eagles games and NFL football this season. I can guarantee you that because I've been there myself a number of times. Not only that, but we are also due to be hosting some kick-ass watch parties for Eagles games during the season. Stay tuned for more on that. But if you are a member of the British and Irish Eagles, you will also receive 20% off your food and drink once a month at Passion's London locations in Fitzrovia, Waterloo, and Stratford. You can sign up via our website, www.british-eagles.co.uk. Don't wait till the season begins, though, to take a trip because Passion serves up authentic American eats, such as the classic Philly cheesesteaks, buffalo wings, and much, much more. Follow us both on Twitter, at British Eagles and at Passion Avenue. You can also find Passion on Instagram and TikTok. If you are looking for an excuse to wear your Eagles jersey before the season kicks off, then hit them up. Go Birds! And we're back. We are back. And what a time in the podcast. Because it is time for the damn right sexy. And it is Tony G's mustache. No. <laughs> as much as that is looking very good, my friend. It is not. It is CJ Gardner Johnson is this week's damn right sexy. And I don't know about you guys, but I was shocked you didn't win NFC uh, defensive player of the week to keep the streak going, which would have been six weeks in a row that the Eagles have a NFC player of the week, whether it's on offense, defense, or special teams. Uh, but what a week for CJ Gardner Johnson and um, what a man he is going to be for the Eagles. What a player he is going to be for the Eagles. He is really fitting into this organization well after coming in a little hot headed, a little bit all about me. Uh, there was, you know, he, he said in his interviews after the game that. He had to be told to simmer down a bit by coach and it's not all about you, it's about the team and he's still got that fire and that personality but now it's all focused on um, helping the team out, making some big plays. Uh, Mick, talk to me here about CJ Gardner-Johnson. Give me his stats, tell me what you saw in the game, how excited are you for a real playmaker at the safety position, notwithstanding that Marcus Epps has had a good year so far as well. Yeah, I mean, it was an upgrade at safety. We once the, the trade happened with the Saints, but I'm pretty sure we were all really happy. We like we stole we stole him from the Saints essentially. We, we got him for fuck all. I think it was like a fourth, fifth round pick. Third, Sixth I think. Third, hey, no, Mick, wasn't a third. We could just thank. We could all thank the Saints for the gifts that keep on giving. So. <laughs> You've got a top five pick just now, or something like that. And 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 CJG. It's CG, CG, yeah. We call him Big Shagger on this podcast. He's called Shagger. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I should have introduced him as Shagger. That's my bad. That's <laughs> my Shagger, bad. Shagger, <laughs> that's my bad. That's on me. Shagger no, but is the, seriously, though, it's like, see when he he was trying to rip the ball out and he injured his, his hand and you could see like the, the pain he was in when he was walking towards the sideline. He was like gripping, gripping it. It was like, that's his, he's done. Like he's out for like six weeks and we've got Kevon Wallace and you're fucked. <laughs> um, so I uh, um, just totally feared the worst and I couldn't believe like he, he, he's like, oh no, CG's back in the game. It's like, what? 
I thought he was in an ambulance, but <laughs> well, it wasn't that bad. But um, props to him to come back, like to have that desire to like I went back in the game, and I think that's the sort of um, that's the Philly attitude, isn't it? That's the that's the mentality, and that's the the team sort of spirit that's coming through, and that's. Well, it's Jason Kelsey, it's that's his, yeah, it's Jason Kelsey, it's Dick Seriani, it's all the yeah. team captains um, talking about when you see all the victory speeches and all that, it's all about family. They keep reinforcing this family, um, team spirit, all that kind of thing. So they, they're all playing for each other. So, um, dare say Shagger probably watched Kayvon on the field and went, Nah, I can't have this. <laughs> <laughs> and he made that um, dive in at reception pretty much to put the game on ice. And, what a play that was. That was that was pretty special to get his hands under the ball um before it hit the ground. That was that was pretty special play. I like that. And it's pretty special for us to be able to say that the shagger for this year is, is our damn right sexy. And he had four tackles on the game, three tackles, one assisted tackle, two interceptions in the game. That means he has three on the season so far, which means he is joint third in interceptions uh, for the year. Uh he's also joined third with Darius Slay, who also has three interceptions in the year. We talked about him earlier. And uh, this this team of uh, in the secondary are, are real real playmakers. Um, something I wanted to touch on that you, you mentioned, uh, Mick, was this. He he called it the soldier mentality after the game, and he kind of had a little smirk and a snigger, um, and moved his hand so people could see like the gaping wound that was in his hand. Um, so he played through some serious pain to do that, and he he caught the interception with his with his left hand as well, which was the hand that he'd hurt. Um, shout out to Brandon Graham who uh, made made the impact play on on Cooper Rush, which meant the ball spiraled in the air and, and CJ GJ could get there. Um, so shout out to him as well. But I I think just incredible to have this playmaker. Incredible that we were already giving him the damn right sexy uh, scepter, which is obviously more infamous than the um, the angry run scepter, which you see on Good Morning Football. Tony, how happy are you seeing? CJ GJ in an Eagles jersey, and how much do you think he personifies Philadelphia? So I thought for a few years now he was a little bit underrated with the Saints. Um, so when we got him, I was pretty thrilled about it. And he just brings, you know, he, he he's not a little bit of a hothead, a little bit of a you know got a feistiness to him. You know, opposer opposing teams hate him because he likes to talk. But he also his teammates love him because he brings that chip to his shoulder, you know, on his shoulder. He's got that blue collar mentality, like you were saying, Liam. Um, and he's been huge. And I was also surprised, as well as the rest of you all, that he didn't, you know, get defensive player of the week. Because usually when you get two interceptions, that's a pretty, pretty good feat to have for a week. So, um, so yeah, he got a little shagged on that one for the shagger. But <laughs> I will say. No, he, uh, you're welcome. So, no, he's been great. So, I, I love having him. Like I said earlier, he's the gift, one of the gifts that keep on giving. We got a top five pick, and we got him for practically nothing because the Saints don't know how to manage money like our boy Howie. So, all the props, he's fit in well. Um, and, you know, like you were saying, depth-wise, Kayvon hasn't been great. So, like, if, if him or Epps goes down, we're kind of screwed. That's where I circle back next year. Just looking ahead, I will obviously get into that when I talk to you guys in the spring. But, you know, that's where I would obviously for depth want to use one of those picks for an elite talent in the secondary as well. You can always have more talent in the secondary. So, um, but yeah, he's been great. And that's all I could say. He brings that nastiness and that mentality that really 
you, you know, it's, it's, it's exemplified throughout the team. Like you're saying, all these guys have a chip on their shoulder, the Kelsey's Lane Johnson, a little fire in them. Um, and it's all brought down from Sirianni, you know, telling the Cowboys last week, Hey, that's game. Fuck you. So, um, excuse my language. That's nah, all right. An we, adult podcast. We, so, we, uh, we, uh, we, we, so, we, yeah, it, it's all, it's all, Tony. yeah. So <laughs> it's all, it's all exemplified through coach on down to the players. Some that have already been here and adding, you know, CGJ to tongue twister, uh, was, was a big, big addition and he's fit in well. So Phil, is this your just, next, is this your next, uh, mug purchase? Uh, you know, you get Gardner Johnson on your next uh, British and Irish Eagles mug. You, uh, also, I wanted to just mention like him and Darius Slay in the same secondary. Do you reckon anyone gets a word in? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's one of the easiest, easiest, easiest response to that there. But like, I, like I said earlier, like the, the people that they've recruited over the off season have have characters and connections, and they work well as a team. We know. And it's it's coming and it it's bearing its fruit in in those intangible ways when when you're watching the watching the team like just watching Darius Slay in the locker room it's like sometimes you, you just get so excited so enthused in what he what he's talking about and you just think imagine what it's like actually being in the dressing room Man. day in day out with that and then with with someone like Gardner Johnson who's sort of having a massive gaping wound in his arm and has come back in and catching interceptions it's hard not to infect the entire dressing room you know we always talk about in sport when there's a when there's a bad uh influence in the dressing room how bad that can be and influencing the team and, and infecting it and and Carson. bringing a team down <laughs> Carson, bringing the team down from the inside it's just such a such a refreshing aspect to be sort of talking about players who just bring that sort of team together and bring so much to the dressing room yeah that energy that like that fighting spirit as you're talking about it's it, it gives me goosebumps when you're talking about it like just how well this team are clicking right now and just how much they're together and they're so excited for each other. i think i've mentioned a couple of times in this podcast before have you ever watched Devonte smith when he's doing a blocking play and it makes a mild bit of difference but it means that you know another guy gets in the end zone for me that just personifies the spirit of nick seriani and the philadelphia eagles and just that love for each other to do well. And I think that's something that Gardner Johnson has never had before. I mean, it's Gardner Johnson's always been about Gardner Johnson. Uh, and I think he very quickly realized that actually, you know, this is all about the team and I'm going to get as much plaudits for helping my players out than I am for myself. Notwithstanding the fact I was reading an article on the, on the athletic today, which, which um, was talking about um, him after he had the two interceptions, he was in the uh, locker room, uh, with the two balls, with the media filming him. He went back out for more interviews after the game. So he clearly loves the limelight. You, you can't blame him when he has a game like that, I suppose. Um, all right, that's a wrap-up of the good, the bad, and them right sexy. And fuck you, Dallas. We'll see you again, and hopefully we'll fuck you again. Uh, all right, let's have a look around the NFC East. Phil's shocked there that I've given the, uh, the F word twice. I think it's Tony's brought it down to me with his F bomb there a second ago. <laughs> Sorry, Annie's brought it on you. Seems very <laughs> personal, that one. Sirianni <laughs> brought it out. Sirianni <laughs> brought it out. All righty. Uh, Mick, I'll throw it over to you, my friend. Yo. Uh, take us through the NFC East and look around the East, the Ravens versus the Giants, and the Washington versus the Bears. I'll hand the mic over to hosting duties. Over to you for this segment. Go ahead, buddy. Oh, why would you do this to me? 
You know how much I fucking hate these themes. <laughs> That's why I'm doing it, man. It's good listening. <laughs> it hurts, man. It hurt, it, like actually, it hurts. It hurts my body. Um, no, because the Eagles were playing on the Sunday night football. We all got to enjoy Red Zone, which was very nice. Always a, a good opportunity to watch Red Zone without trying to keep another eye on the Eagles game at the same time. And you can't really focus on both. So one has to give. So you watch the Eagles game and you miss the entirety of Red Zone. Everyone's enjoying it. Anyway. Yeah. Ravens-Giants. This is the game we start. This is when the Giants will get found out. This is the game where they'll just collapse. The Ravens will run over the top of them because the Ravens are one of the best teams in the AFC. Or so we thought the Ravens have become the team that can't close out a game. They're the opposite of the Eagles at the moment because we are the team that can close out a game. We're the team that can put together a seven-minute sustained drive to absolute kill clock, to tire out the opposing defence. I mean, our, our offensive line must be knackered by the end of the game as well for the amount of plays that we're putting on them, just running it right up the gut. Mel Sanders doing what he does. Jalen Hurts doing what he does. Kenny Gainwell doing what he does. Um, we don't need that power back because we've got three. That's another discussion. I won't get too much of that. Um, but the Ravens can't do that. And what happened? The Ravens were up by 10 points. 10, 10 points. Six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Right? The Giants go up, score a touchdown. Right, okay. So the Ravens have the ball. It's three minutes left on the clock. Just three minutes. They're up by three. Jackson, what does he do? He fumbles the ball. Yeah. He scoops it up, try to try to recover it and make a throw, make a play downfield. And what does he do? He gets that intercepted by none other than Julian Love, who's then brought down inside the Ravens 15. Um Saquon Barkley, who has been playing out of his skin, QB2 for the New York Giants, um, punches it in to make it 24-20. The Ravens get the ball back, so they're only down by four points. The Ravens have got the ball in their hands. What happens? First play, Jackson, strip sacked, tip, gave on Thibodeau, Giants recover the ball, game over. What does I write in the notes? <laughs> you want me to repeat it? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking shambles. <laughs> Fucking shambles. Sick of it. The Giants have single-handedly benefited from capitulating teams that should do better. That's all I've got to say on it. Oh, it's just, this is interesting for me now because I've all season I've been all on. The Giants are not good. The Giants are not good. They are not good. I still believe the Giants are not good, but... They continue to win football games and they continue to win football games that we do not have them winning before the weekend starts. And if we're going to say that the Eagles are winning games and closing out games and finding ways to win and lauding them as a good team, then it's hard to it's hard to shit on the fact that the Giants are five and one. You cannot get away from the fact that the Giants are five and one and their defense is coming up trumps. The Saquon Barkley is playing like the Saquon Barkley. I didn't think we were going to see after he had his knee injury. I didn't think we were going to see the same guy in Penn State who was hurdling linebackers, who was like stretching teams the entire length of the field, who came in as like most people's fantasy one pick in the in their fantasy leagues that year when he was drafted by the Giants. He is that guy again. And 
this is going to sound sacrilegious, but I actually like Saquon Barkley. I don't like the Giants. I hate the Giants. I like Saquon Barkley. And a very, very small part of me is quite happy to see Saquon not be succumb to injury because I think he's such a talented player. Um, however, that being said, I'd be much happier if Saquon Barkley was doing really well and the rest of the Giants were doing shit. And the fact of the matter is, no matter what we say and no matter who they played, they're five and one. And I don't like that. Tony, bring you in. So <clears throat> I would say, just like we saw from the Cowboys, I mean, obviously they were missing Dak and Cooper Rush was finally exposed. Um, but the Giants somehow are five and one and Danny Dimes is still the quarterback. So Brian Dable has brought some juice to the team. We knew he was going to be a good coach. He proved he's proven it, his track record, especially on offense. He's brought new life to Saquon's legs somehow. Knock on wood for them. I mean, I was a Saquon supporter at Penn State. Uh, I have nothing against the guy personally. But I, I yeah, I, I can't really explain it. They're winning games that we didn't think they would win. Then again, if you look at the teams that they did beat that we thought should be winning, like Green Bay doesn't look like a good team. Um, and you guys were there. You bared witness. Yeah. So. You got to experience that. And um, it didn't look like it. We talked about it in the last podcast, and Phil, I'm going to bring you in a second. Yeah. But, we, you know, we, it didn't look like a game where the Giants went and beat the Packers. It looked like a game where the Packers beat themselves. Yes. So, I mean, and that seems to be the case in a couple of their other wins. Like, like Mick was saying, Ravens are confusing to me because they take these big leads, they don't maintain them, basically. So Lamar plays his ass off, but he has no other support. Mm -hmm. So it's just, and then in this past week, he turned the ball over. So like you just said, with the Green Bay game for the Giants, he gifted them a win. So it's just, it's, it's hard to explain. It'll see how good they are down the stretch, just like we'll see how good our birds are down the stretch. Um, and that'll determine that really. Uh, we just got to go and take care of our business and let that, less the rest right itself basically you know and and not to get ahead of ourselves or jump um but you know just looking at our schedule you want if you were going to ask me i i could see us i mean name more than three losses on our schedule well it's funny you potentially. say that it's funny so you say i'm that. not getting ahead of myself but our strength of our schedule is number 14 in the league you know it's a fight just around 500 in terms of the remaining teams we have left to play and maybe two maybe three losses knock on wood so um yeah just got to go take care of business and the rest will take care of itself even in our division so two things on that or three things on that one we'll, we'll do the schedule in a second two i think the ravens just picked up deshaun jackson Am I right in saying the ravens picked up deshaun jackson today d jack is back d jack d jack is back and um, but phil i want to bring you in on this one because i feel like we're skirting around this a little bit. I'm, I'm saying the Giants might, might look like they're, they might actually be the real deal with Brian Dable, as you say, Tony. Um, the fact of the matter is, though, Phil, they do have Danny Dimes, a quarterback. Is this just the perfect scenario? Is this just the perfect scenario where the Giants go and fuck up their first-round pick for next year? They believe that Daniel Jones is the guy. They pay him, and we just get to enjoy Danny Dimes, a quarterback, for the next few years. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Summed up very nicely there, Liam. Um, yeah, like I said, the Ravens have beaten themselves more than they've actually 
lost the games to a better team. I, I, it, it, how many games can we go on before we turn around and go, okay, maybe the Giants are better than we thought, and maybe you guys are there a little bit sooner than I am. I don't know, but I'm I'm just not like I do. It, what's going on with them is just not sustainable. It's not sustainable for for half a season. Um, theirs is a house of cards that will come down very very rapidly once they have their first loss and I think they've got Jacksonville at the weekend yes that's correct they've got Jacksonville at the weekend and I wouldn't be surprised if WP comes and does us a favour and that's the takes out the first card from the very bottom of the deck and just watch it all come crumbling down it's just it's just not it's just not sustainable um from a logical perspective um I just can't see it's it's gone it's gone on for far too long for, for what it is so I, I will add to, to what you guys are saying with Danny Dimes and screwing up their draft position in it. What is supposed to be a good, deep quarterback draft that yeah. not looking like we're going to need to be involved in that anymore, which is just all more merrier. But not only that, Danny Dimes' option has already declined. So he's he's out after this year pretty much. So, like, so, I mean, good for them. They're playing well, but they're really setting themselves up. And like and – like, um, to be traded to the New York Giants after a bad year. Who knows? He'll just make all the, all the rounds. (laughs) So he'll be in the XFL next year at this rate. And uh, (laughs) so, um, yeah, I mean, like Phil said, their style of play, I don't know how it's going to be sustainable because how long can you ride Saquon before his wheels fall off again? Yeah. So he already had a lot of mileage, you know, coming into this year in general in his first couple of years in the league. So we'll see. Yeah, like we'll I said, see. the rest will take care take care of itself as it should. So, all right, make take us away. Washington at Bears. the The TNF game, which um, I didn't stay up for. I hope no one else stayed up for. Negative. Um, <clears throat> most thrilling game of the year, which I've put in the pod notes. Don't want to talk too much about this because it was an absolute garbage game. The two garbage quarterbacks. Who, Mick, Mick, yeah, all the yeah. TNF games, all the TNF games the last couple weeks have just been <laughs> such great barn burners. So yeah, Amazon Prime have done a real good job there, haven't they? <laughs> uh, it James Blaze, uh, Bezos. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he he can get something wrong for once. Go on, Mick. No, I mean I don't think there's a lot to talk about for the game itself. I think the the biggest talking point is that Carson Wentz. Is injured. Fractured his hand. Yeah. So he's had he's had the surgery in his hand, and he's supposedly out for the next four games, which includes the return versus the Eagles at the link. So that welcome that everyone's been um, expecting or hoping for or looking forward to isn't going to happen. It's going to be Heineken under center. How do you feel about that? I like that you call him Heineken. That's even better. So. Oh, he's been Heineken on our podcast for a long time. Go for oh, it. no, he should he should be. And he's missing – he's definitely missing out on some sponsorship deals there. So. <laughs> Hell? Yeah. <laughs> really want to have to talk about him, to be honest. It, it just like Even looking at the, the fixture list that we've got written down for next week, I was just like, uh, Lions at Dallas. Yeah. 
Giants and Jaguars. Eh. I was like, oh, Packers. And then I realized it's Washington. I was just like, eh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of sit there and, 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 I'm. Just, I think the only thing I'll take from Carson Wentz and his injury is that I'm disappointed. Sam Howell's not going to get a right shot. lack of quarterback. Right, Phil. Yeah, I mean they're saying that obviously it's too early, and I think we've spoke to our, our resident commander's friend and tried to explain some logic as to why Heineke was coming in, given that they've got this rookie quarterback. You might as well see that what he can do and and her response was basically they haven't quite given up on the season yet <laughs> i was just like well that might not be too far away yeah <laughs> it's funny isn't it to see the nfc east doing as well as it's doing this year and i was not expecting this year to play out the way it has in the in the nfl as a whole like the nfc east to be the predominant league in the division in in the entire nfl like, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, even the Dallas Cowboys, after we beat them, you know, they're still 4-2. You know, the, the Giants are 5-1. and one, We're 6-0. and oh. Washington have won a couple of games. Um, name, But name a team in the NFC right now that scares you beside the Eagles. Well, it's funny you say this because, again, was listening to the, the, the Ringer uh, podcast with, with Sheila and Ben earlier on today. And... Um, they did the predictions between now and the end of the year for the Eagles. In fact, Tony, before I say what they did, let's just do a live with you right now. I'm going to get the fixtures up and you're going to give me your predictions on the rest of the season. You okay with that? Yeah, let's, let's do it. All right. This is off the cuff. Let me just get them up real quick. All right. So um, after the bye week, the Eagles play the Steelers. Uh, we'll, we'll be um, away from home against the Steelers. Win, loss, Tony? Win. All right, Eagles go seven and zero. Then they go to the Commanders. Late night game. No Carson Wentz. Win. Win. <laughs> Win. Eagles. I don't see. I mean, unless unless one of those games is a trap game for us. Win. <laughs> right. Eagles then go to the Packers. Another late night game. Twenty eighth of November. Uh that would be. A win. I think that's at home, Liam. No? That at home? Oh. Yeah, of course you're going here. Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Mary and Joseph. I'm, re- I'm, reading, them all, I'm reading them off the, the, the video. All right. It's, it's late there. It's late there. So. <laughs> it is 11.18 p.m. Uh, yeah, we are. We are playing the Packers at home, which means I've got the previous games wrong. So the Steelers is at home, the Commanders is at home, and the Packers is at yes. home. This is because... The stupid English don't have the correct to the right system that you do for home games in the in the UK over here, um, as as obviously we see elsewhere. So they're all home games, uh, they're all win games. Um, so after we beat the Packers and we go nine and zero, we are away to the Texans. Yeah, so that we should beat the Texans. Let's not get ahead of myself here, but. It may not be a blowout like we all expect because of this quick turnaround. And, you know, it's a Thursday night game. Um, I would like to and expect this to, to win that easily, but I wouldn't be surprised if it stays closer than it should be, sure. um, even though they're not a good team. Um, you giving us a so win, though? win that. So I given us a win. So that makes us, what, 10-0 that at that point? Ten, that makes us 10-0. Uh, then we're away to the Colts. Okay, so here's another one. 
win Texans should be a pro- no problem, even if it's closer than expected. Going to the Colts should be a win. Matt Ryan doesn't look great. He's finally showing his age uh, like he has the last couple of years. Why the Falcons were easily getting rid of him um, and went with Marcus Mariota, which I don't really know if is an upgrade. I mean, yeah, he won player of the week this week, but he also only threw for 129 yards. And um, so I would say win. I'm going to just say win, Liam. All right. I got to um, apologize because I got the schedule around wrong. It's, it's, it's Steelers, then Texans, then Commanders, then Colts, then Packers. We've done all of those yes. games so far. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm going to blame Google system for getting it wrong and take no blame myself. All right. <laughs> all right. The Eagles are, are 11 and 0 and they play against the Titans and they're, they're home against the Titans. I like us to win that. Only concern is if they give up runs like or give up rushing yards like they did the past week against Henry, because uh, we all know he can take over a game. Uh, but I think we should win that one. Whether it's close, whether it's a blowout, I can't tell you, but we should get that win at home for sure. And then on the 11th of December, we're obviously doing a watch along in Passion Avenue and Waterloo uh, for the Giants game. We are away against the Giants. So this this will all play out depending on how we see the rest of the Giants season play out up to that point as well, and the rest of our division. Um, and we'll we'll know by then, you know, if if you know if we're a good team and if they're a good team and if the rest of our division is still good teams minus the Commanders. Um, but that could be a tough game, potentially a loss, maybe our first loss. We don't play well up there a lot of times, or at least it's closer than it should be. Um, I would like to say win. I don't, I, it's a tough one, Liam. My heart's telling me win. Uh, my head's well, saying you're... maybe our maybe our first loss. I feel I feel like that's your first loss based on what the way you just um, described it. Yeah, I mean, at that point, we're what eleven and zero. Correct. So that that might be your first loss. So we'll just mark that down as a loss, I guess. Sorry, people out so, there. <laughs> so we're twelve. We're twelve and zero by that stage, so that will be twelve and one. Uh, yeah. Then we're then we're away to the Bears. That's a win. I don't even need to ask you that one, right? Yeah, you don't even have to. You don't have to ask me about that one. So. All right. So 13, 13 and one. Um, we're away to the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. That could be tough. Uh, if Cowboys defense is as we expected. They'll have Dak back at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I I never want to say a loss to the Cowboys. Because that's like stabbing my own heart several <laughs> times, um, but that could be our second loss. Oh, okay. Um, so Cowboys, I'm sorry. Ruined, Cowboys ruined Christmas for the Eagles. Uh, 13, yeah, thirteen and two. Honestly, uh, honestly, it could go either way, Liam. I'm just trying to be realistic here. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I get, it. I get it, I get it. Uh, so thirteen and two, we're home to the Saints. We have when we we have the added. Um, What's the word I'm looking for here? Um, incentive to beat the Saints because the more we beat the Saints, the higher pick we get from them. Uh, we may we may not if we're 13 and two, we may not have secured the number one um, seed in the NFC. We may have already. Um, I, I feel like they're going to go and blow the Saints to pieces here, no matter what, no matter what the scenario is. I I totally agree with that, and like you said, the incentive is there. So right, and then, and at that uh, point, who knows playing who's playing quarterback for the Saints at that point. So true. Um, and then I, I guess Gardner Minch is up on game, you know, the last game of the season against the Giants. So at that point, 
we're what? What do I, what do I have us at? 15, we're, we're, uh, we're a 14, 14 and, and two. two. Yeah. Okay. So, at that point, if we have everything secured, I had this as a win. If it, if we have to win for whatever reason to get home field, I have us winning at home against the Giants. If we're resting starters and have the bye at that point, which I would expect, then I would say probably a loss with the backups. But Dan, if you think because, about it, if the Giants do capitulate, they might want to lose as well. <laughs> well, true. So, again, but if we're that far ahead, everybody, Giants are still trying to play to move up, depending on seeding. Sure. They have more incentive than we do. Sure. So, at that point, with the backups and them playing full starters and with a lot more for them to win than we do to win, that could be a loss, given that we have the bye at that point. Is 14 my, and, 14 is my and guess. 3. So, we, we go so 14 and 3. No more than 3 losses, which you mentioned earlier. On no more. Game. And I, I said even that's a tough 3 to pick out. Sure. It could be 2. So, you heard it here first. Eagles going 14 and three from our friend Tony across in South Carolina. Eagles diehard fan, Philly sports diehard fan. Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, my man. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Phil has had to jump off the podcast in the last few minutes um, because his kid's going to be up early in the morning. Mick, I guess you're going to want to jump off as well in a second because you've got to edit this podcast before you go to sleep tonight. And um, so, listen, Mick, thank you, my friend. Uh, Tony, thank you again. Spotting the Phillies hat. I'm gonna go get the of game course. on now in a second. And, of course. Uh, so, listen, if we all, make a... all I could say, hey, all I could say is go birds and go Phils. And hey, we're riding high. Let's go, boys. Let's go. All right, we have been the next man of podcast. We are the British and Irish Eagles. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you next week when we have Shield Capati from the Ringer. He used to be on Birds with Friends. You all know Shield. We're looking forward to. We got loads of questions lined up for him, so make sure you tune in for that. We have been the British and Irish Eagles, and we love you. Good night.